Thanks for tuning in to Cafe Racer Radio for Sunday mornings with Cindy Ann. I'm Sherry Hauser, and this is Pink Noise. Today, I'm making a ruckus with Lena Meyer from Gratitude 6 about the journey to find the magic within. We talk about what beliefs block us and how to take steps towards living a more joy-filled life. So happy to have you here, Lena. Hi, Sherry. It's so good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And like always, I just like to get right into the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. I invite people onto Pink Noise Radio who have come alive. They're alive in their work and they're really living to their full potential. And the point of that, I think, I'll just jump right to the headline. Say yes to your truth, right? Say yes to being more you. What does that look like? How do you say yes to your truth? What's that process like for you? You know, that is such a big question, even in just a few words. And what that looks like to me is essentially what life looks like to me right now. Saying yes to my truth, but really living it. Uh, Because it's one thing, I believe, to have an idea of what it is we're called here to do and set it aside for later. It's a whole other story to hear it and say yes to it, both with our hearts, but then with our actions. That, that is the brave path that I and so many people I know are on. And so this is about saying yes to your truth, both energetically, but also in, in how you live it moving forward. Mm. How you live it moving forward. I, I felt um, a spark when you said, you have, to, you have to live it, you have to execute on the ideas. I remember I challenged myself when I was gifted uh, some unlimited time in a float tank where you can surrender and your senses are really um, tuned inward because you're, you're floating in water in darkness with no sound and so you're weightless and the temperature of the water matches the temperature of your body. And I'd never done anything like this and, until I did. And, and then I got hooked. And I remember a promise I made myself during a short period of time when I was going in a lot. And I said, whatever download I get, whatever idea about who I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to show up, I am compelled to execute on whatever those ideas are during that one month time frame. And it really planted, it, it, the vision came forward for the entire project that I worked on for 2019. And it, and, it was, and it was about making that commitment. So what does it look like for you to choose to commit to the path? I'm imagining it means you say no to other things, other things that might be more familiar, that might be more within your comfort zone. To leave space for the thing that you want to say yes to. What's interesting is the, the way that I am able to live my life in that way is that it no longer feels like an active choice. And instead, it was a choice I made a long time ago that is now just part of my norm. And the, what has happened with that is step by step, I have learned how to hear my truth from that deeper place, from that, that heart and soul space. Hear it and then clear the blocks that were keeping me stuck, the mindsets that told me, no, 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 that's not real. No, 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 you should listen to um, what this other person is saying. No, 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 you should listen to um, this map that you've made for your life that has nothing to do with what you're hearing now. Clearing through those blocks, unraveling them, releasing them, dissolving them, and then bit by bit taking action on that truth that I didn't just hear but felt so deeply. And it was that action step by step that began showing me, oh, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like when you say yes to the thing that makes you come alive. When you say no to the thing that has that draining effect, contracting effect on your energy in your life. This is what it's like to make those simple decisions aligned with your truth that really in the end aren't so simple after all. 
that each step, each moment leads to the next. And it, those moments wouldn't have otherwise existed had we not done the thing before. And it's one of those things that can be so easy to say. The concept might sound interesting or nice. To live it is a whole different thing. And so does it take courage? Yes. Does it take trust in self and that place of intuition and deeper truth? Yes. Does it take action? Yes. Does it take patience? Absolutely. <laughs> Does it take accepting ourselves as we are in each moment? Heck yeah. And so I circle back to say, I feel like I both have a choice and that I don't. And, and, and where I feel like I don't have a choice is I've seen how good it is that why would I ever choose anything else? And so it's that place of, of freedom. Of course I can choose. Of course I'm a choice. But it's become so alive and so real for me in ways that I never could have imagined over a decade ago. That uh, it, it's more of an is, the new norm. I'm, I'm absolutely stunned by your resolve, your knowing that you have experienced the gift of being in the flow and of saying yes to the things that light you up. You feel and experience the rewards from living an expansive life filled with beauty and love and joy and gratitude, which I know are words that I see repeated in your messages. I should probably just out the fact that you're a transformational life coach <laughs> and, <laughs> and that you've been doing this work for uh, a, great, a great number of years. Um, I, I think on your website, you say that you, you began this practice in 2008. Um, and so you've had a lot of opportunity to expose yourself to what it means to live your truth, what it means to say yes. And you've gotten to see firsthand the results of all of the individuals and groups that you've worked with and watch their growth and transformation. So I, I want to flip the switch a little bit and just talk about what's it like for you to facilitate and guide that kind of learning and discovery for others. You can maybe see it on my face. The, the first word that came to me was magic. And what that means to me is, is so much. It's this um, feeling, this energy of flow. It is this connection with others that just does not happen in any other kind of a space. When you get people together, not just to hang out, but you get people together who are interested in connecting from that deeper place. They're interested in learning. They're interested in growing. Um, they're curious. They show up with the intention of being compassionate and understanding with each other while also understanding no one is perfect. So someone might say something that is going to create a response in the other that might be uncomfortable, but we bravely do it together. So having that shared intention and a shared um, kind of collective understanding, even without all of the tools that I bring to the table, that in itself creates a transformational experience. But then on top of that, uh, I do use such a tools-based approach because I love learning. I love the transformation that has come in my own life through learning. I have taken probably more trainings than anyone I've ever known. And not because I need the gold stars <laughs> on my roster, but it's because of the freedom and aliveness that has happened through each. And I love, love, love providing that experience for others, both in the moment while they're there in that group or workshop or event, that 30 minute talk, that one day class, uh, but then giving them the tools so that they can then use it on their own and then share with others. Like this is where, you know, you hear that ripple effect. We talk about the positive ripple effect all the time. This, what a powerful way to do that. To, yes, help people tap into their aliveness, their truth, their joy, and then give them the tools so that they can repeat it. Not make them dependent on me. They're welcome to hang out as much as long as they want. I'll always have new things to offer. Um, one of the delightful things is to see years later people sharing with me um, you know i'm still using those tools it's amazing 
And I feel like in, in so many ways, we, we don't need a thousand different things. We just need a couple and put them on that rinse and repeat cycle and yeah. continue to expand from there. Right. Right. And I think it can, it's a, it's often a different trigger for each of us. Like if you've taken a hundred courses and let's just say I've taken a hundred courses, I bet we could each pinpoint some of the key messages and learnings that woke us up the most. And so while we have different paths and made different choices and we're different people with different stories, what I feel in alignment with you around Lena is that I feel like we both want the same thing for humanity. I mean, it's almost like this, ah, when you have the courage to love yourself more, when you have the courage to accept yourself for who you are, for what you bring to the table, you have more capacity and more abundance to do that for others. And you can only see in others what you can first see in yourself. So this idea of recognizing your value and your worth allows you to recognize the value and the worth in others. At least that's something that I've decided to believe. And in holding that belief, it compels me forward to help others see the beauty and the magic in themselves. And the more, so the more I heal and feel good about who I am, the more I can work with others to reveal the magic that's already inside of them. And one of the things that I love about your language is that you talk about people already being perfect as they are. And it's, the, and it's maybe that there's some limiting beliefs or stories that are in the way of them seeing that. So it seems, Lena, that the big question is really, how do we find our magic? How do we know where it is and that it's ours? Are there, are there ingredients to our magic that show up and there's signs I guess I'll, I'll answer a little bit for me that when I slow down, when I pause to be in connection with myself, I get glimpses of what might be true. And when I start to piece them together, maybe there's a pattern and I'm becoming more aware of these patterns. And that's something that's been alive for me on the path to finding more of my magic. And I know that you do this professionally. So <laughs> what I really want to do is share, is share that gift with others, um, your gifts in finding, in finding magic. Yeah, I love that, Sherry, because it is, you know, don't we all have those glimpses of things that make us come alive, places of flow in our lives, places of incredible joy. I feel like when it comes to finding our magic, it's, I feel like finding it is the easy part. It's remembering that it's important to continue to tap into it. That can be the challenge in the whirl and swirl of everything that's going on in our lives. I believe we're really not taught the tools in school or in our families or communities to be able to tap into that. We're taught so much else. We're taught how to read or do math or um, show up on time to class. We're taught <clears throat> how to write a resume. We're taught um, what to say, what not to say. So if anything, we're taught out of our ability to connect into our magic. So. For anyone who is wondering, oh my gosh, I'm 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, how do I not know how to do this? Uh, if you have a glimpse, I consider that a miracle considering everything we've been taught out of, out of. So the good news is, if you ever have that spark, if you've had one spark in the last year, the key is simply allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to go for it, to set yourself on a course of uncovering 
even more of that in your life. And so what I'll say to that, I know you, you want to know how do, how do I help my clients find that magic? In the big grand mystery of how does coaching even work? Like the spoiler alert is it's actually really easy. <laughs> it is actually really easy. Um, there are simple tools that people can use to begin distinguishing what is the difference between the voice of my mind, of the chatter, of the beliefs, of the things that I think I need to be, of what others think I need to be, of what I can or can't do, of what is or isn't real, of what is or isn't possible. Beginning to notice that that even is a separate voice and the voice of the heart versus then noticing kind of the voice of that gut check, of that clear knowing. You know, if this sounds strange to you, which I know it doesn't sound to you, but to <laughs> you, if you're listening, uh, you know, we all talk to ourselves inside of our own minds, our hearts, our souls. And so the key is to just begin noticing what are those different sources of information, those different voices, those different sensations and feelings, what are they telling us? And to begin learning how to, on purpose, go to the heart if you're wanting to uncover the magic that exists within that space. To go to your heart if you're wanting to uncover your heart's desires. To go to that place of knowing or that gut check if what you really want to know is your truth and your knowing. <laughs> the problem is we've been taught to overexercise this muscle of our mind, to figure things out, to problem solve, to analyze, to brainstorm. And so even beginning to notice what words do I use with myself when I'm trying to get to the core of what I want. If I say uh, I'm having a, an area where I'm confused and I want to be able to tap into my greatest passion, my gifts, my joy, let me go brainstorm. Well, all of a sudden you've taken yourself into the land of beliefs, a collection of thoughts, the brain, the mind space, this kind of nebulous space, super important and valuable. But is that where those deeper places of passion and truths live? Maybe not. And so even just in noticing these as possibilities that we're opening up today, what would it be like if I imagine dropping my center of gravity down into that heart and that core space? Sometimes it can even help to place the hand on the heart and the core and instead sit with it, sit with the question, what makes me come alive? What sparks joy? Where am I in my greatest flow? And noticing the response from those spaces. And just starting there. That's where uh, I say that it's easy. It is so easy. But it doesn't mean that it's simple to continue to do it on a repeated basis. And so that's where the practice comes in. That's where having community that's living a similar path where you can practice that with is so important. That's where um, hiring a coach to help you learn those tools or taking a workshop or reading a book or but just doing it, just doing that next thing and not letting the mind talk you into a more complicated route than it needs to be. <laughs> so right now, if something opened up in you, for example, notice what that is and what if you just did it? What if you just tried it? What if you just did that one thing? I love the noticing game. It's a practice in authentic relating that happens often when we're circling. And it's the practice of noticing what's alive for you right now. And as soon as you might have a tendency to go into story, the facilitator will bring you back to what's happening right now. And so noticing what it feels like to be in connection with this other person noticing the things that might be distracting your attention away from the present moment. Often the first step to anything is acknowledgement, awareness, noticing what is. And once you can label and name these things, you can start to unpack them. And I was having a conversation with my mom. We've been doing some um, deeper, deeper reveals of why we are, who we are, why we are, how we are. As I unravel the last few years of, of my life and 
wanting to step into, what do I want to step into? <laughs> Being the most joyful person I know, living uh, on purpose, living out loud unapologetically. And what did I have to overcome to be that person? What did I have to overcome to unapologetically live out loud? When the stories from my youth were that if I value belonging and I want to fit in, then that threatens my attachment. That threatens my attachment to my family because I'm naturally behaving different than everyone else. I'm louder. I'm taking up more space. And I had to sit with the perception, the story that I told myself was that I only fit in and belong when I match them. And matching them means not being myself, matching their energy, matching their voice tone, like not being enthusiastically big and bold and excited and yay and all of the things that make me me. And so I have talked to my mom about some of the things I remember hearing. And what's been fascinating is asking her to explore what she heard growing up. And she shared with me things like, if you can't do something right, don't do it at all. If you want something done right, do it yourself. And as we explored these sayings, I asked her, what do you think a person is going to be like who got those messages repeated to them? And it nurtured her, her desire for perfectionism and not risking. Because if you can't do something right, don't do it at all. So no wonder... As a youth, when I wanted to try out for things and take a risk and expand what was possible out of love and concern, you know, I, I might, it might be suggested that I, I, I don't take that risk. I don't take that chance. And it's these stories you mentioned being taught out of our magic. And I, I thought that was really beautiful. I've read some stories about, you know, deprogramming, like re-remembering who we are. And I think first we have to put our finger and notice these messages like you were saying. I think that's so key to the desire for more peace and ease and joy in our life. More peace and ease and joy in our life come from when we can unapologetically live the, who we are. And it's that process of unpacking these messages. I'm imagining in your work there, you know, you must unpack a, a whole slurry. Can you share some of the highlights? Like what are, what are some of the most common messages or limiting beliefs that, that you unpack with people? So the absolute first response to that was any belief we can unhook <clears throat> and unpack and release is, is the greatest experience of all. <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to measure because what blocks one person from living their greatest dreams is not what is going to block the other. But what I do know is that whether someone has been on a path of personal growth or spiritual growth for a day or a lifetime, that there are always things there to unravel. So there are certainly some common themes when it comes to stories that hold us back. Just even the realization that we have stories that we can change, that we, that we can change our mindsets, uh, that in itself is an aha for many of us at some point in our lives. I, I know it was for me. I did not, not always know that that was possible and it, it didn't occur to me. It wasn't a part of my growing up. We didn't read personal growth books. If you had asked me at 25, if I would be talking to you right now about these things, I would kind of look at you like, what are you even talking about? I was a math and science person and high achiever and um, did things from that logical mind space. So it was both shocking and freeing when I learned that, oh my gosh, we can change our beliefs. Oh, it was like the Holy Grail <laughs> that I have been searching for, but I didn't know existed. 
And so when I talk about freedom, just knowing that you can change your beliefs is, is the, the first mindset shift that I believe is available that people go through. From there, you know, when it comes to untangling the things that keep us stuck, keep us stuck in um, saying yes to things we want to say no to, um, waiting until later to live our dreams, um, making choices that don't feel quite right. Uh, underneath it can kind of stem from the space of who I am is not enough. I don't belong or the fear of not being enough or not belonging. And from there, we get super creative about all the reasons that that can be true. And those are those false beliefs that we can start to untangle or release one by one. For example, a lot of coaches will talk about your life purpose or your life vision, how important it is to uncover your greatest gifts and your passions and make a vision board. And, and the danger in that is we can get so overly focused on what we want to be later, what we want to do so that we can be this amazing version of ourselves. We can get stuck in that, but the motivator, if it's because I'm not enough right now, can derail the whole plan. Eventually we get there, but then we're still stuck in this kind of forward thinking. Um, I'll be enough when, or I'll be happy when, I'll be sharing my gifts when, I'll be living my purpose when. So this, while it can be a challenge and maybe even a, a lifelong process uh, to continue to come back to that place of, I am enough right now. I have enough right now. I am doing enough right now. And, and I will continue to create amazing things in the future. That's where gratitude, I feel, is so important and comes into play of not gratitude, saying thank you to people. Of course, that, you know, can be very important, but true gratitude, true appreciation of enoughness of what we have and what we are in our own lives. And to allow that to be the birthing place to then create each next step, which becomes our future. There's a piece of your personal story that I remember reading on your website and it, and it hit me like, oof, right in the gut. And it, and I think it had that impact on me because I feel like I said the exact same words and it was that, I know that there's more. I know that I have so much more to give. I know that I have this potential, this, I used to describe it as almost a fire. I would say I've got this fire in my belly and I don't know where it belongs. I don't know how to direct it to the right source. And I used to, <laughs> I used to blame slash credit my grandmother for this, this um, just inner, Rawr. And one of the things you said on your website was, if only I knew what to do with it, I would do it. I think you were deep into your finance career and felt like there's more, there's more to me and there's more to life. And when I read that, I thought, yeah, I've said those things. I've said those things. And I, I remember spending $2,000 on a, on a purpose one-on-one -on -one workshop intensive and to spend that kind of money on myself was such a bold and daring experiment. And when I think about the results at the time, I probably would have told you I was disappointed. I still very much admire the mentor that I hired, but it's like, I get it now. Like I actually get now what she was trying to show me and tell me. And she even said at the end, you're in your own way. And I still didn't get it and didn't see it. And as you're talking about 
that it's almost just relaxing and having enough self-gratitude and self-appreciation that you already are. I think somewhere else I read that you've said that the purpose isn't a destination. It's, it's going into yourself and seeing that it's just about, as my friend Eben says, like, be more you, right? Be you more. And, and then I've talked to another authenticity expert about be you more, and there's that idea, but if I'm more me, then everything comes with it. It's more baggage. It's more, it's more not, not worth enough. It's more everything. It's not just the good parts, but being more you is all the everything parts. It's all the parts that have been damned by others, all the parts that have been told, um, don't do that, or that's not appropriate behavior. So I get that there's a fear that can come with the expression, be more you, show up more as your authentic self. But first you have to know who that authentic self is and you have to decide to like it in order to be more it. So walking this back, it feels like at the, at the beginning of everything, I mean, we, we've talked about the beginning of everything is the noticing of the messages. And is it not true that in the noticing of the messages, the baby steps that you're taking, the everyday action that you're intentionally taking is walking you towards liking yourself a little bit more? Have I got that right? Or, or, or is there some more light you want to shed on that process? More light. Let me find what that is. That's such an interesting question. I feel that those can go hand in hand, but it's almost as though there's a recipe that you're putting together in order to rise up into that greater truth. Um, in a way that might be enjo more enjoyable <laughs> than just bulldozing, <laughs> right? Because, you know, option A is I can hear my truth and just bulldoze my way through it and go do it and let it be really uncomfortable. And that might create great, wonderful openings, right? But if we do that without the ingredients of self-compassion, self-love, curiosity, forgiveness, gratitude, openness, beginner's mindset. If we don't bring those things with us, it can be really uncomfortable. It can be, we might get there, right? But to circle back, if, if the destination is not the purpose, but the purpose is being here right now and living each moment from that place of truth, then why not allow it to be an enjoyable process as well? I feel like, you know, speaking of mindsets that keep us stuck, how about, you know, it takes hard work, to get great results. Woo. I believed that for a long time. <laughs> and it will still float around here and there, but I'm so, and when the thing about beliefs, it's, you know, sometimes they just dissolve and go away. Others, they might hang out for a long, long time, but we just start to learn to notice them and let them float on by. They don't run the show anymore. The reality is it only takes a moment, a moment to unhook a belief that's not true. And when you're free of that, you're free. Now, does it sometimes take work? Yes. But to shift a paradigm or shift perspective or shift an outlook only takes a moment. I had a moment turning. I, I had a very specific pivot when I was listening to a podcast episode with Glennon Doyle mm -hmm. and she's the author of a book called Untamed mm -hmm. and if you're curious about it anyone they can go look it up so I'm not going to try to unravel what it's about but what I got from it was in hearing her speak about the beliefs that she grew up with and how it kept her small, I heard the saying from my youth in my head, from my dad mainly, don't push your luck. And he heard it from his father who probably heard it from his father. It's generational and it's never, ever intentional to cause any harm. It's simply conditioning. 
and they think that's what you're supposed to stay and say in this situation. And when I unpacked, don't push your luck, like on my own, I just sat with it for days. What is that really saying? You, you don't deserve anymore. Be grateful for what you got. And I, and I just, I just kept going. I just kept going. Like, don't push your luck. Don't you dare be brave. Don't you dare risk. Don't, don't try for more. Um, and, and, and I think where I saw it in, in Glennon's talk was in this, uh, be grateful for what you got given. And, and that's it, right? Like, don't say you're unsatisfied. Don't say it's not enough. And this whole don't push your luck idea. Um, yeah, it was, it was a game changer to let that one go. And to see the points in my life where I rebelled against that notion. And it was in those moments that I saw more of my true self. As a youth, as a teenager in my 20s later as an adult, when I threw away that mindset of don't push your luck. Yeah. Or the idea that we even only have a certain amount of luck. It's a scarcity mindset. And then I got to wonder who's, who's doling out the serving size. (laughs) Who's deciding how much luck I get. Who's the master of that domain. Is there, is there somebody in the universe that gets to tell me how much luck I get to have? Please, sir, may I have another serving of luck? Who's in charge? And, and the big light bulb was, I fucking am. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to be bold enough to take the slice I want and to know that there's more for everyone. Because we don't want the same pie. We don't want the same pie. And even if there were one giant master pie, it's not three-dimensional. It's infinite. And, you know, that might sound great in theory to some people. Oh, right. There are infinite resources. There's infinite. But then underneath, we still believe, actually, but there's only so much. If I, if I take more, then someone else is going to have less. Or if I take less, and others can have more, depending on which side you look at that. One of my favorite ways to show how this is absolutely not true is through experience and not theory. And so, you know, one of the questions I ask people is, have you ever been with a friend at a group experience where you walk in with a certain amount of energy, maybe you had a bad day, the other person kind of came in a little neutral or not so pumped up, but then after 20 minutes, all of a sudden, you can feel the joy rising. You can feel more energy. And there's a flow that starts happening back and forth in conversation. By the end of it, an hour later, you are lit up. You could take on the world. Well, where did that come from? And when everyone has more, we have more to give. When everyone has more, it's easier to hear our truth and not just be courageous in taking action on it. But actually, it just gets to be easy because the energy is there to support it. And then I share it with people who are in my home or in my community or my world or with my clients or at the events or in the things that I write, in the conversations that I have that are shared, then those people have more and they share more. And so this place of don't push your luck with mindset, sometimes it's as simple as saying, okay, I'm not going to push it. I'm just going to share it. Because there is so much, I'm overflowing with it, right? Yeah. That's how I feel about love right now. Mm-hmm. I feel so abundant with love that it's overflowing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm experiencing the vastness of it, the infinity of it. It's a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel very fortunate, and I remind myself of that every day. It's also cultivated and intentional, but I do love experiencing the vastness of love. Mm -hmm. 
in the same way that you're talking about energy that can be shared among a group of people. And I see the pattern in my life of curating experiences to share in meaningful connections with people that are in my circle and how I've done that with so much intention throughout my life. Because in those places of shared experiences, that vibration gets raised for all of us in sharing joyful moments, whether it's four days on a houseboat, cruising Lake Shushwap in the interior of British Columbia, my uh, home province, or something else entirely, but it's the, it's the sharing of the experience and it's all the joyful in-between moments. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the, the myths of personal growth is that we're to do it alone. We're to, we're to work on ourselves by ourselves. We're to figure it out and then go show up. <laughs> and you can do that. We, we all go through phases of self-reflection, more kind of hermit style, right? Hunker down and, and, and just tune in and tune out. Where I find some of the most beautiful transformations happen, though, are when we bravely connect with others and put into practice what we're learning out in the world with other humans who are living their lives right alongside of us. And, you know, part of that magic that comes alive, some of it can only come alive in a certain way when others are involved. We can only be shown uh, some of our places of greatest stuckness when others are involved, right? Those mindsets or fears of saying the wrong thing or looking the wrong way or giving too much or not giving enough or being too smart or not smart enough or um, having it all figured out, having nothing figured out. Those strange beliefs where we, well, you can know you are so amazing. You can love yourself to (laughs) to the brim. And yet, wow, it's so weird that these things float by. And so to continue being human in the company of other humans who are also on a soulful or spiritual or personal growth journey, Uh, can do so much more than just burying ourselves in a book. It's like learn, connect within, hear that truth, go do it, one step, one leap, one planet jump at a time. Notice what you notice. Take a breath and then do it again. Rinse and repeat. It's that path of living our truth. It's simple, not always easy. And it can be joyful when done from that place of deep connection within our own hearts and from the heart with others. I so believe that. I see it every day in my own life and the people I work with. It's so on point. And so I feel like I just want to say, what other wisdom? What other wisdom do you want to share? What haven't I asked that you'd like to explore? It's so interesting because that question actually brings tears to my eyes. It's that there's so much I want to share and underneath it all is that you can do it. Whatever that thing is, do not be fooled by your own mind or the minds of others, um, that it is possible. It is within reach, whether you're already on the path or just getting started. I just remember this aliveness feeling like something really weird people talked about and I kind of looked at it and I thought, well, that just, that sounds weird. It just sounds weird. And yet I wanted it. Of course I want it. So it's real. If I could share maybe even nothing else that it, that it is real for whoever's still listening at this point. You are here listening to this, hearing this for a reason. You can have this. And beyond that is not just that you can have it in the future, it's that you have this already right now within you. That there are tools and processes and groups 
in wisdom that people share and put into words or experiences, but it's only ever designed to help you connect into that truth within yourself, I believe, the good stuff, <laughs> right? Will guide you into connecting into your own truth because yours is gonna be different than mine. In fact, anything I've said today is only helpful if it's helpful. So <laughs> the other piece with that, I will invite people to take this with them in anything that they're learning in the realm of that deeper knowing is please by all means only take what works for you and leave the rest. If there's resistance to something, maybe explore that. That could be a combination of it being a wrong fit and a limiting belief that's keeping you stuck. It might be both, but adjust it. Make it fun for you. Make it meaningful for you. And to leave today with What's one thing that's simple, powerful, doable that you could put into action today to bring whatever clarity that has come to light for you to continue to explore or to put into motion an aha of what's important to you? What do you need? What drains you? What empowers you? Do more of that. What's that one thing that's going to make the biggest difference? And then just do it. Just do it today. How do you not have a checklist of to-dos in life? Just do it right now. <laughs> Pick something that is so easy that you can do it in the 10 minutes after this <laughs> conversation comes to a close. Pick the easy thing that you can do before you go to sleep tonight. Yeah. Wow. I just completed a month-long desire log project so that I could wake up every day and journal what I wanted without feeling greedy or selfish. I wanted to declare what I wanted so that I could make it come true. And the people I see being successful in manifesting the kind of life they want seem to be people who are unafraid to state their desires clearly so that they can meditate on the feeling of having it, of it already being true. If you subscribe to the law of attraction in any way, shape or form, this idea that by feeling that you already have it, being in the space of it being true, you raise your vibration to match that which you want. And so I thought I'd start every day by writing a list of things I want. It's really interesting to reflect on it, reflect on this whole month-long journal, this desire log. And I'm looking forward to revisiting it, you know, in the months to come. And to see what rises to the top. What, what am I already working towards? And maybe didn't even realize it. But that because I stated it and I put it in writing, I've breathed more life into its possibilities. I love that, Sherry. And it's journaling, writing, keeping that heart and soul log of what do you most desire. And this notion of breathing life into your possibilities. You know, I talk a lot about taking action as a coach, it's also in my nature, but there is this whole other thing that happens when we set powerful intentions from that deeper space and let go of this idea that we have to do it all by ourselves. Set it off to the universe, set it off to whatever that greater thing is that you believe in and take action, <laughs> right? I agree to show up too. <laughs> and say yes to the amazing miracles that come my way when I do. That uh, it's a, a co-creation, not a solo creation, and not a just sit and wait. It's, it's all of the above. And some of those most amazing things have happened when I have courageously said yes to the download or idea or inspiration that shows up and then do the thing create the thing, launch the workshop, reach out to the person that just popped into my mind. All of this, just do it without overthinking. 
without losing the moment. And do I do it 100% of the time, all the time? No, <laughs> not yet, right? Um, do I have enlightened moments where I am insanely tapped in to that greater truth and wisdom? Yes. Do I have moments where I get lost in my mind and beliefs and do I have fears? Yes, I do. Um, they stick around for a much shorter amount of time now than they did before. And so it's like the, that up and down has smoothed out. The times in the, in, the, in the lows and the confusion, there's much less of that. And so what I wanna offer is, you know, you might see people who are sharing wisdom and sharing best practices. Please also know this, it doesn't mean that they are suggesting that you need to always do that perfectly in order to be happy or fulfilled or manifest your dreams or create your dreams. It's almost like having more of that in your life than the other things is what allows the, the process to be smoother. But don't worry if you're walking around with fears, you're not gonna just innately block yourself from having what you want because there's so much in my own life that has come into reality even with those fears that come up because as I receive the inspiration and create things in my life, my business, I then am inspired to create new things that I don't know how to do. So there's a whole new set of things I don't know how to do. And then from there, well, then there's more that I can do and I don't know how to do it yet. So it's this, the fear of the unknown can block us and letting go of this idea that we need to know how to do every single next step to make things happen. It's, Receive the clarity in what's important and then take action. I'm hearing a call to practice, yeah. to practice intentionality. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing in, in your last share mm -hmm. is that if, if anything, we set a mindset of intentional practice mm -hmm. and that's showing up for me, even in, I am intentionally going to sit here for 30 minutes and be with my thoughts. Or on Tuesday night, I'm gonna watch a two hour movie and I'm gonna really love it. Like I'm gonna have no guilt. I'm not gonna beat myself up for, um, for watching entertainment, you know, as opposed to like being in my life or achieving some other goal or accomplishing some other project that's on my to-do list, but to really be in it and sit in it. You know, when I choose to go kayaking or ride a bike or sit in my hammock to really enjoy the beauty of that moment, as much as I enjoy the effectiveness and productivity when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm alert and present for the task at hand. And I think, I think the intentionality is the, is one of the differences. Um, and I've struggled with the guilt before, the guilt of not doing enough. You, you were talking about fear a moment ago. It reminded me of a piece in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, mm -hmm. where she talks about the point isn't to be fearless. The point is to acknowledge the fear, but don't letting it drive. I think there's a passage in her book where she refers to fear as like, you can come along for the ride, but you're in the passenger seat or the back seat. Like you don't get to drive the car. Yeah. Like I'm in control and I'm going to take some risks and I'm going to do some things to take the next step. So you're not going to stop me. I get that you're there. I see you. I feel like so much of what we've talked about comes back to the, the noticing, the acknowledgement, the intentionality, the practice, like if I could just try to like highlight some of the, the key things to be aware of. Um, would you have more to add to that list or would you say it differently? Hmm. Tell me your list again, Sherry. Yeah. So what I was seeing was an opportunity to create a heightened sense of awareness about what we're noticing in our mind as we face what we think are challenges, what's really there, 
What's the story I'm telling myself about this thing that I either should or shouldn't do or can or can't do? So what's the story that I have around this? So to be aware and notice. So it's about acknowledging and noticing and it's about practicing intentionality. Right? Simple. Not always easy. <laughs> and it is, it's that, it's that noticing. And I would add to that, <laughs> it's like noticing how you're noticing. Right? Am I noticing with judgment? Or am I noticing with compassion and love? Am I noticing with attachment to needing to figure out the answer? Or am I noticing with openness of what is happening in that moment? You can get far, I believe, with all of those ways. The way that might feel more energizing and joyful, you might be able to guess which that is, <laughs> is that love, compassion, curiosity, openness, without attachment to needing to even change the limiting belief or the thought or the mindset. You know, we've talked a lot about changing our beliefs. <laughs> Interestingly, one of the easiest ways to do that is to let go of a, the deep need to change our beliefs. I'm serious about the work that I do without taking it too seriously. And then when I find myself taking it too seriously, that's just an, a key or a clue, an invitation to step back and notice like, where am I pushing this or forcing this or hanging on to it or running it into the ground and this question of what if I didn't what if I did not what if I didn't clear that belief how would I live my life what would I do considering that it's here right now what do I want to do right now and it can be like magic suddenly it becomes more available because this desire that we've kicked on to remove this thing that we're judging as bad that we want to get rid of all of a sudden that judgment and that pressure is gone and then we can truly see what's there and then take your time with it then you take your time with it when you take your time with it sometimes it happens even more quickly than we could have imagined i feel like you just hit the nail on the head right there that's an incredible parting gift yeah. for today. Yeah. Thank you for going there. Thank you for unwrapping that parting gift. That was really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your beautiful soul that mm -hmm. shines so bright. Thank you so much for your presence, your questions from that deeper space and for the opportunity to connect people with themselves in, in the way that you do. Just the way that you show up helps me and I can only imagine helps others um, in a way that you and I can't even know today. So thank you for the the opportunity to be here and share uh, my little bit, which can be the big bit of wisdom with you <laughs> uh, and to connect with you here today. Well, in my opinion, Lena has definitely provided a big bit. And I already know I'll be chewing on this meal of a conversation for some time to come. Learn more about her work at gratitude6.com. I know she'd welcome the outreach from anyone listening. Next Sunday's conversation is taking a different turn as I spotlight an individual who's living her values in an entirely different and somewhat controversial way, homeschooling her kids and living off-grid on 10 private acres of land in the key peninsula of Washington State. Her and her husband grow their food, tend to their animals, educate their children, and live by the tenets of permaculture. I hope you'll join us next Sunday. And even though I'm still in Denmark at a leadership course for authentic relating, the internet is an amazing thing. And I plan to beam that conversation through the airwaves across the Atlantic. I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm going to keep making a ruckus.